0: On this episode of Jessica's Show, we review new music that has been released over the past few weeks. How are the networks faring this week? What the heck is going on in the faith community? And cancel culture invades the world of sports. All this and more as we get into the podcast. Tune in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show, and we have a jam-packed episode coming today. I say, the Labor Day weekend has been super crazy. That can be stressful for a lot of people. But have no fear, we are heading on to our first segment of the episode. That would be New Music Friday. But before we get to the review the latest music that has come out, aka the Rundown, I want to stress the fact that this is based on a compilation of new music that has been released over the past few weeks. So I'm going to go by genre. Starting in the pop category, we have Taylor Swift's Lover, which was released on August 23rd, two weeks ago. This currently holds the record for the most pre-saved album by a, a female artist in his first day on Apple Music right now. Totally more than 178,600 pre-ads on the platform worldwide as of the month of July. This pre sale count total was nearly at 1%. Million records. As a result, this album is currently 2019's biggest selling album. Taylor Swift also set a record for being the only female artist to sell more than half a million units the first week. But keep in mind, this is her major label debut album after many years on Big Machine Records. Some of the highlights of this album include the collaboration with Panic at the Disco's Brendan Urey titled Me, The Archer, and the title track. These songs are quite a departure from the darker undertones of Reputation, if I say so myself. Moving on to the rock metal category, we have Tool's Fear and Opium. Tool's latest album is the first new album in 13 years since 2006's 10,000 Days. The title track set a new record for the longest song ever to enter the Billboard Hot 100 chart at 10 minutes and 21 seconds, surpassing the previous record of 9 minutes and 57 seconds, which was held by David Bowie's Black Star. As it stands, the album, Fear Inoculum, looks likely to debut at number one in the Billboard 200 chart next week, or close to it. Sorry, Taylor Swift fans. Better luck next time. Moving on to the hip-hop category, we have Common's Let Love. The 12-studio album from the rapper was released on Tidal and other streaming music sites this past week. It has currently gotten generally favorable reviews from critics. The first single, Her Love, was released back in the middle of June, which was interesting, to say the least. The interesting part of this is NPR did an in-depth discussion on All Things Considered, and it was pretty enlightening. The album as a whole has the theme of love in the many different forms of it. We'll see when the charts come out next week, how the album debuts. Moving on to the country genre, we have Trisha Yearwood's Every Girl. The title track, which is actually Every Girl in This Town, debuted on the Billboard Country Airplay chart at number 21. This marks it the highest charting debut for Yearwood's entire music career. The 14th studio album is her first country music album since 2007's Heaven, Heartache, and the Power of Love. But we will see the charts on how this album fares. Moving on to CCM, which is contemporary Christian music, we have Sanctus Reel's Unstoppable God. The group just released their ninth studio album this past week, which is the second album with lead singer... Dustin Lawley, since the departure of original lead singer Matt Hammett in 2015. Some of the highlights include Lazarus, which is based on the story of Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead. As the charts come out, we'll see how it fares, this is a really good album. In other new music news, we have Lana Del Rey's latest album, which I will not be saying the title, as it's available on streaming sites. So you can check that out. The Who also released their latest single this week titled Big Cigars. And this single will be on the currently untitled upcoming album, which will be released in November. And that has been the end of New Music Friday. You can buy and stream all brand new releases over the past few weeks on whatever music platform you have, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. When we come back, we have a weekly TV update, so don't change that dial. We'll be right back. I hear you, folks. This podcast has been made possible Bye, listeners like you. Thank you. And we're back with the show with this week's weekly TV update. And just a disclaimer, ragweed season is upon us. So I sincerely apologize for how my voice is sounding on some of the segments. So please bear with me. And as always, I'm going to start out with the broadcast networks. Starting with ABC. What would you do as the unsung hero of ABC this summer as it chugs along? Although it is currently pulling in .4s and .5s, this along with 2020 is going to be filling its role quite nicely as news filler. Bachelor in Paradise is steady as usual. Overall, The little sister of the franchise is up year-to-year compared to last season. ABC pulled out a win right there. Moving on to CBS, Big Brother reigned supreme on the network as usual, but Big Brother went fractional again this week on Sunday with a .9, which is still pretty good for the network considering on how down this network has been. CBS has bigger fish to fry at the moment, since they're in reruns mode. Moving on to NBC. America's Got Talent and the results show rose this week to a 1.5 and a 1.2 respectively in a key demo. But this does not help things for Sondland and Bring the Funny much. They're at 0.7 and 0.8 respectively. So they were steady this week. Hollywood Game Night posted embarrassing numbers as usual with a 0.4. NBC at this point, can't afford to cut its losses as it's the number one network. Moving on to Fox, and I sure have a lot to say about Fox, so you think it can dance is not faring well at the moment. It hasn't been all season long. At this point, the ratings are no better than now-canceled Paradise Hotel. Don't be surprised if this gets a surprising cancellation, but I doubt that Fox will pull the trigger on it just yet. But with the Disney merger, I bet its .49 will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. In other news, What Just Happened finished its first season this week with a Sunday night whimper. It's not coming back next season. I'm just surprised it hasn't even been announced as canceled yet. The reboot of 90210 continues its downward slide yet again with a .6 in the key demo. At this point, maybe Fox should just cut its losses on the reboot because I can't see how the reboot is cheap for any network involved. As we're moving on to the CW, since a .13 is considered to be the middle of the pack on an ever-diminishing CW, Pandora and the Outpost look likely to be back. In the state of affairs, just like Fox, the CW is going to be like, we have nothing else. They'll be focusing on the fall slate in October, so we still have more weeks to talk about low ratings until then. So we moved on to the cable portion of the weekly TV update. So we are starting with Paramount Network's Yellowstone. Yellowstone set a new season high for Paramount for its finale this week. Paramount Network has got to be happy for this one, I gotta tell you. On VH1, things are a different story as ratings have collapsed. It's gotten to the point where a .7, maybe a .8 is the highest rated show. On MTV, the latest installment of The Challenge is doing well. However, ratings are down for the whole entire network. And so the challenge is looking pretty good. The detour on TBS was canceled this week after five seasons. We're going to miss that little show, but we also suspect a restructuring that has been going on at Turner headquarters for a while. Hurricane Dorian coverage has affected the Sunday cable front this week as stars as power, HBO's Ballers, and AMC's Fear the Walking Dead. That's the Walking Dead spinoff. They're all down in the ratings this week. One data point really does not change the outlook, especially for Power or Ballers. Both are doing fine at the moment. But for Fear the Walking Dead, it's part of the general downward trend that has surrounded the spinoff and has also affected the main show. Fear the Walking Dead this season is down 43% compared to last season, even though it's one of the top shows for AMC. That .29 really does not make a good case for it. I can tell you that right now. I feel like it has to be connected to the main show as far as its fate goes. The comic series is ending, and The Walking Dead is going to be on its last legs. So I can't see the main show or the current spinoff lasting that long. Speaking on the cable news front, CNN's town hall did decent in last night's ratings, but the audience overall has been diminishing over the past few months on a regular basis. With some of the top shows and the ones in the 1849 demo on a regular basis, one thing is definite. People are cutting the cords. People are not even watching CNN through traditional means anymore. But speaking on other cable outlets, on the Fox News end, things are a different story the outlet is consistently leading cable news and has been for months. So the primary culprit right now is going to be the cord cutting, especially for the younger folks out there. And that has been your weekly TV update. Coming up next, we have a third segment coming up So don't change that dial. We'll be right back. As you know, since the debut episode of Jessica's show, the number of platforms where you can listen to the podcast has grown to five. As of today, you can now listen to Jessica's show on Google podcasts, pocket cast and radio public in addition to anchor and Spotify. All are really good podcasting platforms to host or syndicate your podcast. All episodes, including teasers. Pretty cool, huh? Okay, folks, break's over. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We've now entered into a really serious topic. For one thing, this past summer was a tedious moment in the faith community. This is a broad topic that has been swarming through the headlines throughout the summer. I feel like this is important to address for this podcast. Have you ever had doubts in what you believe in? Have you ever been shown a person that showed you one way only to act like a different person the next? We have questions ourselves, so there are many cases. We start with the one episode of The Bachelorette where Bachelorette Hannah Brown had a tense conversation with suitor Luke P over the conversation of sex before the fantasy suite date, which never even happened. Luke P basically told her that he was willing to walk away from the relationship if she had sex with any of the other guys. She then said that she had sex not once but twice and sent him packing. After she sent Luke packing, she revealed to a confessional in the next episode that she had sex in the windmill, four times. This gave birth to the now infamous phrase, Jesus still loves me. As a Christian, I do not condone what either of them did. For one thing, Luke was portrayed all season as super controlling and stalkerish. Luke also had a Twitter war with Hannah, using Bible verses and all that stuff. As for Hannah, she went about the social media drama the wrong way and she played into it. As I said before, If I were the two of them, I would just end all contact with each other and just move on. Don't trash each other on social media. Don't even mention each other's names. A past relationship or a friendship should be lessons for people to grow and improve themselves. It should not warrant this negative back and forth on each other about each other's sins for the whole world to see. But I digress. Bachelor Nation was really divided after this. Personally, the reality dating show is really not a realistic way to find love if the failure rate tells you anything about it. On a more serious note, let's look at the cases of Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson. In the case of Joshua Harris, the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye and Evangelical Christian Darling, he not only said goodbye to Christianity, but also his marriage. Keep in mind, he also apologized to the LGBTQIA community for the views he expressed in his book. With Hillsong worship leader Marty Sampson, he revealed that he was genuinely losing his faith, but clarified that while he has not renounced his faith in Christianity, it was on incredibly shaky ground. Can you imagine how much doubt a person can have so to renounce their faith? Even I doubt my own faith sometimes. Not in the validity of who Jesus is, but in situations that seem to be out of control. For me, my doubt is a control issue. But I digress. Anyways, the lead singer of Christian rock band, Skillet, John Cooper, had plenty to say. He wrote a Facebook post in which one of the key points is this. We must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. There's so much to digest from that so I won't be getting into the rest of the post. And now, here are my thoughts. I've seen this time and time again in my personal life. I've seen people fall away from the Christian faith, which is what they once knew. I've also seen people come to know Jesus in the worst of situations. I even doubted my own faith when I was in college. But honestly, that doubt has made my faith a whole lot stronger. In these situations. Doubt is a serious thing, especially in Christianity, but it's also normal and completely healthy as long as you return to faith. When we come back, we are going to talk about cancel culture in the world of high school and college sports. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And we're back with the show, and you know that a lot has been on my mind. That is cancel culture. Cancel culture became a recent phenomenon in recent years. You see this on social media a lot, where you have people canceling public figures, schools, and other influencers for saying or doing something that happens to be morally wrong. Such as being racist, sexist, homophobic, anti Semitic, xenophobic, and all the other problematic things this world brings. Typically, cancel culture works through many different avenues, primarily on Twitter through hashtags. Typically, it's we insert a celebrity or influencer's name next to is over party on a hashtag. And the thing is, Cancel culture does not work the same way in sports, especially with high school and college sports. Here's why. You can't put a student athlete's name before is over party and expect the same amount of backlash that other celebrities and influencers have gotten. Case in point, let's look at Grayson Allen, formerly a member of the Duke University basketball team. UK fans have canceled him in the past for poor sportsmanship, which is not as bad as any of the earlier things I've mentioned at the beginning of this segment. He's in the NBA with the Memphis Grizzlies, but the cancel culture has only made it easier for him to embolden his reputation as a player that plays in a rather unfair manner. To point it nicely, he's a dirty player. He's not the type of player who takes responsibility for his own actions. He hasn't learned at all from his time at Duke, especially with the rules of on-court engagement. I would argue that he should have been canceled. However, you can't pin all the blame on someone entirely, but rather a systematic issue of affluent privilege. He went to a private school in Florida and graduated from a prestigious university. These are things that a vast majority of us have not even experienced in some form or fashion. But there is absolutely no excuse for poor sportsmanship, regardless. If done correctly, Allen should at least humble himself on the court and take as many opportunities to grow as a human being as he can. That's why the jury is still out in Memphis on that accord. This brings me to my next point, high school sports. I can't stress this enough. If you haven't been exposed to Kentucky high school sports or any high school sports in other states, then you may understand that cancel culture does not apply in a traditional social media hashtag manner. You're not going to get K-pop fan cams flooding the is over party hashtags about high school athletes. In fact, you don't see is over party hashtags about high school athletes at all. In recent years, months, and weeks, I've seen entire teams get treated so bad on social media, much less canceled by alumni of schools for much less than the things mentioned at the beginning of the segment. And I'm not going to go into details on that fully. But what I can say is this. Arrogance in and of itself is not an appropriate offense to employ cancel culture tactics. Again, this is an issue of privilege. There are teams out there in high schools for specific sports like football that get significantly more in funding than on other sports teams in the same school. This is a problem that needs to be addressed, but we should not be using social media to complain about it and not do anything to change it. This is a problem that needs to be taken up to the proper channels, administrators, boosters, the school boards, anything that deals with school athletics. Come up with a solution that is beneficial for everyone. Not just the old time fans. On the other hand, cancel culture is twofold. I also feel like it has become impossible for alumni to be critical of a school's actions. Just because a person graduates from that school, whether it is high school or college, does not mean they have to agree with everything that school says and does. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. Alumni of that school have all the rights to express their opinions. Having issues with teachers and professors in the past is nothing to do with an alumnus disagreeing with things that go on. And to conclude that point, cancel culture does not work for high school and college athletes. Not in the way that is traditional, but something that has been applied incorrectly and inappropriately for things much less than being canceled for racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, anti-Semitic, and other things morally wrong. I'm not saying to rule out canceling entirely, but we need to rethink on how we should use it. I could go on and on about cancel culture and how it is used, but for the sake of time on this podcast, I will save how situations are used appropriately for another day. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We have come to the point in this podcast where there is a next episode teaser. On next week's episode, we will talk about what was trending on social media over the past week. We also talk about the latest standings in the race towards the coveted .0 in the 1849 demo, which is known as the Blue Tarski. And we talk about the success of R-rated comedy Good Boys. All this and more on the next episode of Jessica's Show. Welcome back to the show. I have some final thoughts. I was literally looking at some music articles while I was in the process of recording this podcast, and I wanted to add a few things to the spiel about Taylor Swift being in danger of losing that number one spot to Tool. The media is eating this up, folks. It amplifies how Taylor Swift fans are so upset that she will be number two in the future. Keep in mind, In actuality, most Taylor Swift fans don't even care about what placement she places as long as they get her new album. Streaming it multiple times is probably not going to make much of a difference. Tool has been around since the 90s and they just now put their entire discography on music streaming platforms prior to the release of Furinoculum. Tool's fans are not just dads discovering Apple Music for the first time, it's young people too. As far as Taylor Swift goes, Lover is a successful selling album, no matter where it's placed. It did well in week one, and it will still sell well the next few weeks, no matter if it's at number one, number two, or number five. Hey, you know what I heard on Cooper's stuff a few weeks ago? Don't look at the charts. Anyways, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Betagirl96. Like Jessica's show on Facebook, and like my public page, Jessica Boggs on Facebook, for more updates. Also, you can follow the TV Ratings Guide on Twitter at TV Ratings Guide for more TV-related updates. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jessica Boggs, signing off.